Let's pray together. We do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for inspiring James to write it all those years ago. And we thank you that it is living and active. And we thank you that by your spirit with us this morning, you will speak into each one of our hearts the message that you have for us. So we pray, Lord, we open our hearts to you now. Please speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. What good is it? I love the book of James because it's so intensely practical. James was writing into a situation where Jewish Christians were scattered over various different areas. They had been thrown out of the synagogues. They were a bit lost and a bit confused. Many of them were struggling with financial difficulties. And so into this situation, James writes this intensely practical letter. He wants to help people to be able to live within this hostile environment and to be faithful followers of Jesus in that place. And so he says, what good is it? Uh, and I, throughout the letter, he's been sort of uh, showing what real faith looks like. And now we, at this centre point of the letter, we get to his central message about faith and actions. And in verses 14 to 16, he lays out his argument, and I'm just going to paraphrase it slightly here. He says, what good is it to have faith without actions? Can it save you? Can it help those in need? What good is it? Faith without actions is dead. Or to put that a different way around, real faith is active faith. It is good for you and it is good for the world. Active faith is alive. So let's unpack that a little bit together. Firstly, let's think about real faith is alive and active. So James makes it very clear in verses 17 and verse 20 and verse 26, faith on its own, unaccompanied by actions, is not real living faith. It is useless. And he says that faith is belief plus. In verse 19, he says, you believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And that puts me in mind of when Jesus had his earthly ministry every time he encountered someone possessed by demons, the demons would say, we know who you are, Jesus, the son of God, get away from us. So they knew and they believed who Jesus was, but that didn't make them want to turn to him. They wanted to run away. So faith is belief which changes us, which makes us turn to God and change the way that we are. Belief on its own is not enough. And James's reference in verse 19 is to the Shema, the Jewish prayer, which Jewish people recite daily. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So belief leads to love, leads to obedience. And Jesus also said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. And he also said, Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily 
and follow me. If we are serious about saying, I believe Jesus is Lord, then we need to be serious about making him Lord of our lives and being obedient to him and following his example of selfless love and service. So faith and actions are like two sides of the same coin. So I've got a coin here and uh, hopefully you can just about see the queen's head on that side and the date. And on the other side, we've got a squiggly pattern and the uh, value of the coin, 10 pence, it says. And the queen's head shows that it was made in the royal mint. It shows it's the real deal. It shows it's worth, and the, the other side shows that it's worth 10 pence. So if I give this to a shop assistant, along with a few other 10 P's, and uh, you know she will accept that as being worth 10 pence, and she will give me my cup of coffee or whatever it is that I want. And if I put it into a vending machine, along with a few other 10 P's, I will get my cup of coffee. It is worth something. It has a value as it is, but it's not really going to be worth something if it's only half there. I mean, how can you separate one side from the other? You can't really do it. If you try to gouge out um, one side, you would end up with something that is worthless. If I try to put it into a vending machine, it would drop down the bottom. It wouldn't go in. It would be useless. If I tried to give it to a shop assistant, she would say, I'm sorry, I can't take that. That's not worth anything. So just as you cannot separate the two sides of the one coin, they go together, they complete each other. They make it worth something. They make it real. So faith and actions go together and complete each other. And therefore, James says in verse 22 that Abraham's faith and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. His obedience to God was the outworking of his inner conviction. His invisible inner belief and trust were revealed in his visible actions. If we believe, we love, we obey. If we have faith, we believe and trust that God's ways are the right ways and we want to live by those ways. Real faith is alive and active. It changes us and it changes the way we live. If our faith does not make any difference in our lives, what good is it? So secondly, real faith is good for me. James asks in verse 14 whether faith without actions can save someone. And in verses 20 to 25, as his evidence that faith without actions is useless, he cites the examples of Abraham and Rahab being considered righteous by what they did. Now, let's be clear. It is not what we do that saves us. God saves us. The word translated as righteous here can also be translated as justified. It's a word that comes from the Greek law courts of the day. And it's a word which means that the judge, having looked at the case and looked at evidence, has declared that the um, person in the dock is not guilty, is justified. He, he is right before the court. So for us, even though we know we are guilty of sin, we believe that Jesus has taken that sin upon himself. The evidence that God considers is what Jesus has done. And his grace, his gift of putting us right with God through his means that God declares us justified, clear of any charges. 
But as we've seen, it's one thing to believe that and another thing to act on that belief. If we don't do anything about our belief that Jesus has saved us by his grace, what good is that? If I was to give you a gift and you were to look at it and admire it and maybe even say thank you, but you never actually took that gift and opened it, you wouldn't have received it. I'd still be sitting here with it in my hand. And in the same way, we need to receive the gift of God's grace by our faith. The act of faith is the act of receiving grace and therefore we are saved. Active faith, living faith is good for me. Although the faith itself is not what saves, Jesus saves. The faith enables me to receive that gift and through it I'm saved. Paul says in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. However, he then goes on to say, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Real, living, active faith is good for us, and it is good for the world. In verse 14, James asked if faith without actions could save us. And in verses 15 to 16, he asks, if we have faith, but do not help those in need, what good is that? And earlier we saw that belief leads to love and obedience. And our love for Jesus means that we obey his commands. And his commands are to love, to love God, to love our neighbour, to love our enemies, to love each other as he has loved us selflessly sacrificing ourselves for the good of others. So our love for Jesus is revealed in our love for others. And if we really love someone, we're not going to be satisfied with lip service. We're not going to be able to say, oh, on your way, uh, do, do well, be good. We're going to want to help them out of our love for them. We're going to want to feed the hungry to clothe the naked, to visit the sick and the prisoners, to speak out against injustice and oppression, to be with those who are lonely, to mourn with those who mourn. Real, active, living faith responds out of love and service to the Lord who has loved and served us. The first letter of John in chapter 3 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love not with words or speech but with actions and in truth. I think this is probably one of the hardest things that we wrestle with because we do love, we want to give, and yet we know that we're limited. And sometimes it's really, really hard to love and to give to our enemies. We don't always succeed. But if we sink into guilt, what good is that? We need to constantly bring ourselves back in repentance to Jesus to the one who declares us right before God. That is an act of faith in itself. And also as we accept Jesus' gift of grace, let us also accept his gift 
of the Spirit. From that verse I quoted earlier in John 14, Jesus goes on to say, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Another advocate to help you. When he is living within us by his spirit, the light and life of Jesus shines through us so that others may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We need to be constantly returning to him in repentance, receiving his gift of grace and receiving the gift of the spirit. And Jesus' spirit living within us will grow in us his love, his joy, his peace, his patience his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his self-control. And as his love grows within us, it will inspire us, it will prompt us to love others, to serve them, to act for them. And these works which we then go on to do are part of God's bigger picture of salvation for the world so James's examples of Abraham and Rahab are about participating in God's mission. So here's Abraham. There he is. So God promised Abraham that he would make his offspring into a great nation and that through that great nation, all nations of the world would be blessed. The only problem was that when God made, first made that promise, Abraham had no children and he continued to have no children for quite a long time. And so God had to reiterate the promise. He took Abraham out to the starry sky and pointed up and said, see the number of stars in the sky. That's the number of offspring I will give you. And God was going to bless all nations through Abraham's offspring. And eventually, I, Abraham's son Isaac was born. And there was this great fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of this promise. Because through Isaac, obviously, he could have children and they could have children and this great nation would be grown. But then God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham's faith was revealed in the fact that he obeyed this command. Even though this seemed like a mighty setback to God's original promise, he had faith that God would keep that promise. And so he obeyed. And thankfully, God rescued at the last minute, as we know that story. Abraham's actions proved the reality of his faith. And his faith proved to be good for the world because through him, God did grow that great nation. And from that great nation came the one, the chosen one, the Messiah, through whom all nations of the world are truly blessed. Jesus, God's own son. Here also is Rahab. She was a foreigner. She didn't belong to the people of God, but she believed in God. And she believed that God was going to give her city and her people into the hands of the Israelites. And she acted on that belief, harboring the um, Israelite spies at the great personal risk in order to be on God's side. When her city was then overthrown, she and her family were saved and lived from then on with the Israelites. She was brought into the people of God. She was considered righteous through her actions. And she had a very special place in God's story because she became the mother of Boaz, who became the father of Jesse, the father of David, the great ancestor of Jesus, God's Messiah, God's chosen one. 
both Abraham and Rahab, through their faith, shown in their actions, were not only considered righteous before God, but they played their part in God's ultimate mission, being the people through whom God brought his Messiah, his promised one, Jesus, the saviour of the world. And when Jesus came into the world, living, dying and being raised again, he brought in the kingdom of God. And while we wait for him to come again in all his glory, we allow him within us to continue the work of his kingdom here on earth, bringing his love, his peace, his justice, his hope and his light to the darkest of places. We too can have that part to play in God's bigger picture of picture of mission to the world just by opening ourselves to him, by believing in him, by acting on that belief, by being changed by him and shining his light into the world. So real faith is living and is active. It is good for you and is good for the world. The letter of James is intensely practical. He wants us to know what will be really helpful living in a hostile environment. You don't need me to tell you that we are living in a hostile environment. And so let's hold on to these words of James. Let's realise what real faith is. Real faith is active faith, actively receiving God's gift of grace and actively acting on that grace, giving those gifts of love to all those around us, receiving the gift of his spirit, which enables us to then play our part in his mission for the world. You know, when I was preparing this, um, I was looking at it originally and thinking, hmm, this is a passage by which some people sometimes feel quite guilty, thinking, oh no, I have to go out and do lots of things. But actually what God said to me was that he wants to assure us because I know you guys, I know the amount of love and service that you give to people. So please be assured this morning, your love, your service to others is a sign of your love and your service to God. Your outer works are a sign of your inner faith. And Jesus said, when you hear these words of mine and act on them, it is like you are like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. The rain falls, the floods come up, the wind beats against that house, but that house does not fall. James started his letter by saying real faith endures. When we receive Jesus, he will not let us go. He will be with us and he will keep that house of ours safe through whatever storms are being thrown at us right now. So please be assured your real, living, active faith has saved you and will keep you safe. Rather, Jesus has saved you and he will keep you safe. But maybe there is also a call and a challenge here as well. If you are somebody who's maybe looking at your life and thinking, I'm not sure that my faith is lived out in the way that I treat people? Do I treat people with love at all times? Do I pray fervently believing in this God of mine that he will help those in need? 
do I act? I know we can't all act in the same way, which is why I just highlighted prayer there, because whatever we're doing, whatever situation we're in, we can all pray. And that is an act of faith in our mighty God who hears our prayers. But whatever your situation is, let's open ourselves to God, to his call on our lives. Let's uh, talk, uh, listen, as um, James has asked us to do, let's listen to his word and act on it. Let's listen to his spirit within us, hear his prompting. Where is he wanting me to work for him in the world today? Where is he wanting you to work for him in the world today? How is he wanting to build his kingdom through you and through me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace. Jesus Christ, we thank you for everything that you have done for us so that God can declare us righteous. We thank you for that gift of grace. And this morning, Lord, we actively receive that gift. And as we receive that gift, we also ask you for the gift of your spirit within us, enabling us to do what you ask us to do. And Lord, we pray that out of our love and service to you, we might be able to love those around us, serve those around us in the way that you have called us to, not out of duty, not out of a feeling that we should, but out of that prompting of your love within. I'm going to leave a space of silence here now. And in the silence, please ask God what it is that he is laying on your heart to do for him as part of his plan to build his kingdom. It's going to be something that is prompted by his love. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit. We thank you that you have called us, even little us, to be a part of your bigger picture in the world, building your kingdom of love and joy and peace and justice. Lord, we offer ourselves to you today. May our faith be real. May it be living and active. In your name we pray. Amen.